1: This is the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park.
0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of your Royal Blue podcast. I'm your host today, Sam Carroll, and I am joined by Gavin Buckland, Dave Prentice, and Adam Jones. Adam, how are
1: we? Hi, yeah,
2: I'm all right. A bit tired. But apart from
3: that. Absolutely buzzing after the top top weekend.
2: <laughs> I'm sure we'll uh, we'll get to some of that, Gav. Mm. Absolutely buzzing after the top, top Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, Adam, you were our man at Goodison Park on Sunday to watch <clears throat> Everton take on Arsenal. You can start us. Thoughts on that performance and the Blues are back, aren't we? Yeah,
1: no, I mean, that was, that was one of the most promising displays of the season, I think, you know, <laughs> dominating the top six side that much. Really deserves so so much credit, and I don't think Everton are really getting the amount of credit that they actually deserve in the national media. Because Everton did absolutely just dominate Newcastle. One nil doesn't reflect that performance in any way. I think four or five nil would have genuinely been a much more fair reflection of how the game actually went. It was a bit similar to the West Ham game in some respects, like Arsenal came out for the start of the second half and they looked a bit more promising. Uh, I think the introduction of Adam Ramsey changed things a little bit for them. He looked he looked quite strong when he first came on, but after Everton wrote that first 10, 15-minute spell maybe at the start of that half, it, again, they just uh, seized control back of the game and, you know, even though it was 1-0, it wasn't, nervy at any stage I thought even towards the closing stages it was Everton who were looking like they were going to score more goals rather than Arsenal looking like they were going to equalise at any point it was just aggressive vibrant, direct all across the pitch and I think Marco Silva deserves a lot of credit for how well he's turned this around because we were looking at those uh, home games a few weeks ago and we were thinking it's going to be tough to try and take points out of any of these and then you know, we've looked at the last three home games they games against Liverpool, Chelsea, and Arsenal, and you've took seven points off them that's <laughs> that's absolutely incredible it's got a mean feat I'd not conceded a goal, yeah, not considered a goal yeah, conceded in any, goal them. In any yeah. of them either, so yeah, I think it was all round a really, really promising display.
0: Preno, what made you happier? Meeting Grand National winner Tiger Roll on Saturday? (laughs) Or watching the Blues
3: beat Arsenal on the Sunday? Well, my place pod coming in at entry on Saturday was uh, put a smile on my face. First time that's ever happened. Um, But no, I mean, that performance on Sunday was just... It, it was just absolutely top class and yeah it's almost like Everton have been damned with faint praise uh, again because people looking at Arsenal's deficiencies rather than what Everton did well and that, that, that's a little annoying arsenal looked like a decent side uh, for you know large portions of that game but everton controlled the game so well they didn't uh, they threatened up till the final third and then everton defended so well Jordan Pickford didn't have a save to make that I can think mm. of any, any significance you know one slightly worrying punch but that, that was all you know so otherwise it was uh, it was a really good performance and what I liked most was the way that they mixed it up there was some really good you know sort of passing football in there but they weren't afraid to go direct on occasions as well and, uh, and the key to that was having like a really enthusiastic front runner Dominic Calvert-Loon was brilliant and I think what is so reassuring as you could we could sit around here now and each of us give a different man of the match there's four or five players that you could say were man of the match that, that game on Sunday Bernard was brilliant out of possession you know in possession you know so didn't do things as well as maybe he can do but it was just his work rate was astonishing Jagielka coming in and cold the way he did absolutely top class Kurt Zuma, absolutely brilliant but then you know for, for me Calvert-Lewin deserves all plaudits because he set the tone um, that one in the first half where he closed down the goalkeeper oh, and Gen- yeah. just got the crowd roaring and he referenced it himself in his post-match interview where he gets it. He knows that, you know, incidents like that just create an atmosphere and get the crowd, you know, so sort of suddenly energised. That helps, that becomes infectious. Everybody else starts closing down that little bit higher. I so was another one who's magnificent. So it does, you know, it just all adds to the whole. So it's been great. It's been coming for the last few weeks now. Uh, great performance. And, you know, the secret now, of course, is consistency. Do it again at Fulham on uh, Saturday. But, yeah, it was great. You know, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it.
2: Are you gonna echo those sentiments, Gov? I'm gonna expand them say so I thought we were magnificent. Magnificent? And yeah, absolutely. We've had magnificent,
0: um, we've had vibrant.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, not want to give great praise out on occasions, but I thought we were magnificent. And I can only echo what's been said before. Any one of seven or eight players could be a man of the match. It's not often you come away from a game where you could say, well, everybody was an eight on ten, at least. There I thought we were I thought we were we were, we were great from start to finish. Um, you know, if you'd were if you landed from the Planet Zog on, on Sunday morning and said, which is the team out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so you still have, actually. <laughs> you know. uh, said, which is the team on the pitch there? That's fine for fourth position. That's amongst the uh, favourites for the Europa League this season. You wouldn't have said Arsenal, would you? No, no. You would have said us. And um, you could have had several... Ma- I, I, you know, Gomez, not mentioned, he was my man of the match. I thought, thought he gave a midfield masterclass. Uh, and I've not really <laughs> anything to add to that the only thing I'd say is not for the first time this season thankfully it didn't prove costly is we didn't <coughs> convert our you know promising chances up front into goals 23 attempts for yeah. one goal which been okay we won 1-0 similar story at West Ham that sort of profligacy is going to cost us between now and the end of the season and I think what we need to do better is when we win the ball and I'm and the West Ham, maybe we've got say four or five onto four or five and we've got spaces to run into, we don't take advantage of that well, if that's all you complain about, then that's happy days. I just thought we were magnificent, and I, I thoroughly agree with what's been said before. Not giving enough credit, you're not allowed to play well against top six side They've always got to play badly for them to, to lose. And I thought some of the some of the headlines. The one, one from a, a national organisation, Arsenal frustrated the Cottison. I think yeah, I don't know, right. <laughs> the, the only yeah, frustrations right. I see him is the Everton supporters. It, 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 Think this should be four they'll Never mind one nil. Unless chucking his jacket. I was just yeah. say, he was a bit yeah. frustrated, wasn't oh, he? <laughs> How weird
1: was that? Yeah. Like, why? Why? I don't. I don't understand that at all. Yeah. It was great I, to see Arsenal getting wound up, and oh. they were. Oh, They throughout. Like there was one moment in the first half where. Lacazette ran straight into Gomez and he was on the floor writhing about for like a minute and Gomez didn't touch his face like Lacazette ran straight into Gomez and and a nod to Kevin Friend I know we often do you know
3: criticise referees correctly so but I thought he could have been a little bit harsher after Dominic Calvert Lewin was uh, was cleaned out when he could quite feasibly have been through on goal. Yeah. <laughs> he showed a
1: yellow, so yeah, I saw that. I, th- I think it's that. tough to give a red for that, like yeah. with him being so far away from goal and out wide no,
3: as well. Uh, overall, his performance was good. He wasn't taken in he, by I the Arsenal play acting, he, and he did. He allowed the, the flow back. of the yeah. game yeah. To, cool. uh,
2: to continue quite could a bit. He a bit lucky, just got a yellow for sure. the, uh, the one on uh, Dini, wasn't it? I think. He was yeah. right, down, right down the shins. Mm. Just thought, just thought we were magnificent and a great atmosphere. And it wasn't evident, like, being more passionate and sort of out-battling Arsenal. I thought we played some great stuff, particularly in the round their box in the second half, some of the one-touch stuff, especially on the near side, on the left-hand side, was, was a joy to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and we never got our rewards in front of goal. But then we get back to calvert and then don't we a both discussion around... I thought he was exceptional again. Held the ball up brilliantly, put himself about... But you know, we want strike on somebody there who can score goals, and um, oh, there we go. That 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 well, just just saying, you know, if we it, we had the con- there was a conversation after the game in the main stands, and I think it was it, it was right. The point was made that some one well, was an Arsenal fella sitting next to me, and he said, Oh, Calvert Loom is my man of the match, and somebody sitting with me said, Well, he didn't score, he doesn't score enough goals, and he said, in the modern game, you don't need your centre forward to score lots of goals as long as they're bringing other players in, into play and, and they're scoring goals. And, and I was thinking about that. Maybe that's another way of looking at, looking at it with, with Calvert Lewin. You know, I think but, I think it's a bit unfair to maybe.
1: Aim the goals thing at him after that game because I can't remember him having any sort of clear cut chance to no, get no, himself no, no. A there goal There was
3: one back to go down the park end which with a shorter touch might have given himself the opportunity to turn mm. on us, but it was a quarter chance at best. Yeah. But he referenced himself after the game. He said, What have you got to do now? Mark Chapman was on the BBC, he said, What have you got to do to improve? And he said, Add goals to my game. Well that's yeah, it. It. He's,
1: he's been saying it for weeks, hasn't he? He yeah. knows he needs to add more goals. And I think throughout the season he has shown that he can he can get the goals that we need him to get. He just doesn't do it on a consistent enough basis I think the problem that I had with his performance was there was one particular moment in the second half where he had the ball centrally Bernard was in about 30 yards of space on the left everybody inside Goodison was shouting pass it and he just couldn't find that pass like when I talk about Calvert-Lewin being more clinical it's not just in front of goal it's in terms of that last pass as well you know I think that's something that everybody in the team can really learn from I don't think Everton were clinical enough in the final yeah. third not not making that last pass uh, direct enough uh, not just not thinking quickly yeah.
2: enough that we needed to uh, get those four or five goals I agree I said about Carver the other week didn't I that if he does have a weakness he occasionally holds on to the ball too long mm-hmm. when he should be you know you don't really see him do many first time passes mm. he only gets it in and you know, lays it off and and runs Uh, and Gomez occasionally, (laughs) I suppose Mm. in the great scheme of things, can occasionally uh, keep the ball too long. But I think that'll come with time Mm. and confidence and and, and speed and and I think I'm nitpicking it over what was I would think probably our best performance since maybe the Martinez era. Mm. You know, I just thought with that, considering the opposition um, and what they're fighting for uh, I thought our performance was was magnificent from start to finish. Yeah, I
1: don't I don't think it should be allowed to take away from, especially like Calvert Lewin's performance. Like yeah, you absolutely. saw, you see the stats at the end of the game. You know, I think he won seventeen aerial duels, which is absolutely incredible. Like I think over the last few weeks and months, he just seems to have filled out even more. He looks a lot more like a physical prospect. And at the end of the day, you know, we were playing against playing against two centre-backs there throughout throughout the 90 minutes Mustafi was in the Germany World Cup winning yeah. squad a few yeah. years ago Socrates not long ago was regularly playing in the Champions League and Calvert-Lewin dominated them from start oh, he, to finish. He,
3: he bullied them. What I love about his, uh, his aerial play is how he he leaps so early. And it was, so. I mean, Graham Sharp learned that from Andy Gray, you know, so when he came to the club and it's it, it's a difficult thing to achieve because, you know, your natural reaction is to try and time your leap, you know, so to meet the arc of the ball. And he was always coached, you know, Sharp to actually leap early because it completely flummoxes the centre half mm. and almost hang in the air. Yeah. And he did it magnificently the one he headed on midway through the first half. And he just he just rose so early that the centre half couldn't compete. And he's doing that more and more. So whatever lessons he is, you know, so sort of being coached on the training ground, he's picking up and he's improving. He's looking like a better yeah. player week after week.
2: I think the other thing I'd say about you know the natural comparisons with Graham Sharp who I mean how Fair Sore and Everton deserves for the year is when Chart was playing up front for Everton, you had two strikers, didn't you? So yeah, 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 you, you were sort of a partnership. So you didn't carry the whole forward <coughs> weight as it were mm-hmm. on on your shoulders. Uh, but now the game has changed. He does to a certain degree. Is the sole person in that middle of you know middle of the park up up front. But like years ago, it'd be two players, and yeah. so. Mm-hmm. He, you could, you had greater time, I things to develop if you're if you're a young striker playing with a more senior partner. But like I say, sharp mm-hmm. and grey there. But Calvert and when you now, because people played like four, whatever, four five one or but whatever you do, four three four two three one, you, you you're that sole focal mm. point up up front. So you've got a lot more pressure on you, mm. I think. As a, a sole striker now than what you did say when Graeme Sharp is playing up front for yeah. for Evan, even Ferguson to a degree. Yeah, and and I think uh, we have to remember that in terms of the way judging people and 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 how they develop and and um, there's a lot more pressure. Mm. I think, I think, well man. I think Sigurdsson
1: does try and try and tries best to stay with yeah. Calvert Lewin. I think especially in a in a defensive sense, like whenever the opposition defence seem to have the ball. We almost we almost revert to like a four-two-four formation. We've got like a bank of four at the front and gilfie Sigurdsson comes up with Calvert-Lewin and they try and harm the defenders and the the goalkeeper as much as they possibly can. We saw it work against Arsenal with Calvert-Lewin closing down Leno. Saw it work against West Ham as well with Sigurdsson and uh, Calvert-Lewin. I think that ended up leading to the second goal, like how, how well they closed down yeah. the defence and the goalkeeper. So
2: think that, that is
1: quite promising to see but as you say like in an attacking sense I don't think it happens it's enough it's
2: compared in apples and pears compared in, in some respects compared in Calvert-Lewin and Sharp because of mm-hmm. the, the way the forward forward line has changed over mm-hmm. the last 30 years and it, I think it's a far more difficult job but you know, I think if he gets goals through his game which he will do mm-hmm. you know you're looking at somebody who you know, has got a promising future for us mm-hmm. Does he present Everton with a bit of a conundrum in the summer transfer market preno because
0: what did he do you know do you want to stifle his development do you want to go out and splash big money on a 30 goal season striker or do you want to bring in someone you know who could maybe a Richarlison type a young budding talent who can play across the forward line and maybe complement calvert loons development uh, i think Marcel Brands has
3: already addressed us um, you know he spoke to Phil a few weeks ago and the suggestion is they didn't want to spend you know so sort of 30 or 40 million on a a top level central striker if you like purely for that reason because they thought it would you know stunt Calvert-Lewin's development they obviously see a player in there that they can develop and equally they want to try and add in the wider areas if you like Um, it's a strategy you know so you can argue whether it's right or wrong you could argue that it's being a little conservative in your thinking you know so rather than bringing in a proven goal scorer you know what difference would Olivier Giroud have made you know so to Ronald Koeman's regime if he'd have come in we don't know Uh, but what Reassures me and impresses me is there is a coherent strategy in place and a long term plan, and Calvert Lewin is clearly part of that. So I think if we do see, uh, you know, people brought in in the front positions in the summer, I don't think they'll be they'll be threatening Calvert Lewin's place. I think they'll be in the in the wider areas. I mean, quite where you fit them in because with and Bernard have been two of the success stories of the season so far. So it, it's a difficult one, but you know there is a plan in place.
0: And we'll we'll come back to the to the wide areas in, in a minute, but. Uh, Gavil, I'll bring this one to you because I think he's a bit closer to your age. From the emerging talent of Tom Dominic, t- years yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the emerging talent of Dominic Lewin to Phil Jagielka, oh, a man who man. I I was brought, where
3: he was going with that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> A man who was brought in twenty minutes before
2: kick off and he proves his worth to Everton once again. What a
0: performance from the captain! Value of
2: experience, isn't it? And he's playing on the right hand side of the defense but he's played on the left. You know where. Uh, mm. That's what you get For for somebody With that experience You just bring that to the table And on his positioning Was you worried
0: I, When you seen him Replace Keane
2: Yeah Yeah Because yeah. Keane's been Keane's been uh, He's been good all season and, and I do And I thought That uh, It's a bit like Chelsea targeted us I think If we have got a weakness In defence It's that gap Between Coleman And, and the right hand side Of The right hand side Centre half That area of the pitch You know um, the, the right of our defence that Chelsea tried, really tried to attack in the first half of Goodison. Um and you know I expected Arsenal with Lagazette and Aubameyang who was on the bench mysteriously to do that but really you know they didn't really get any change there was, there, apart from the first first minute wasn't it where Lagazette mm-hmm. got through and, and what he got what he got with Phil was just that bringing all that experience and seniority to the to the mm-hmm. uh, to, to the table and he did that you know comfortably over 90 minutes and brought a word in for Zuma as well and Seamus mm. who were both you know they were both both great you know Zuma's another one who could have been man of the match couldn't yeah, he absolutely. really um, so that helped him uh, but yeah that's a one-off I know there's been talk hasn't there, about what we spoke about the last time you heard about Jag's contact position it, you know as a one-off it was great whether he could do that every week is a different uh, question I
3: don't think he would have to
2: I mean it, yeah. we put a poll in a story yesterday
3: asking Evertonis whether they thought A. he should be given a one-year extension or B. no uh, allowed to leave because he'll stunt development of one of the younger players Morgan Feeney perhaps somebody like that and it was overwhelmingly in support of giving him a new deal uh, 82% now obviously the timing was you know so it's was relevant yeah. it comes on the wake of <laughs> Uh, a good performance like that. Emerson haven't conceded a goal while he's been on the pitch this season. Now, I know that's a relatively small snapshot, you know, Cardiff away, last 20 minutes was it at Chelsea. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so the game of the weekend. And Wolves. At the, uh, Wolves. Uh, yeah. And, and Wolves, off. yeah. I, th- I think what's against him uh, yeah. is not his ability and, and not so much his age. It's, the number of injuries he's picked up during the course of the season when he hasn't really, you know, sort of been involved that much. And that's not going to improve anytime soon. I think a lot of it depends on Everson's end of the season. If Everson make the Europa League, I think there'll be a case to be had for yes, you know, we need that bit of experience yeah. and that bit of cover. Him and Baines, um, I think if Everson don't make the Europa League, I think they could probably again mount a feasible case to say, well, it's not really a good use of resource to keep them both on board. But you don't know what kind of influence they have on a dressing room, because clearly they're both very popular <coughs> lads. They're very professional, very driven lads. And, you know, so does that attitude rub off on other players around them? And then, you know, yeah, is it worth keeping hold of them? I'd like to see the pair of them stick around for a little while longer, but, you know, clearly that depends on them personally, whether they want to play more frequently than they are at the moment. Time will tell, uh, and I think a lot could be dependent on
1: where we actually finish the season.
0: And serving to the club like, like Jagielka had to d- save that little moment, I think, didn't he towards the end of the season?
1: Yeah, yeah, it, well, it was really, really nice to see. I think when uh, when I realised that that goal was actually going to stand, like f- I did think it was offside at first, but then it obviously it was proven to be well onside, mm. uh, which was pleasant to see. But like when when I realised that that goal actually was going to stand, I was so happy for Jagielko because, you know, it's never going to be easy for any sort of player, like, regardless of the experience you've got. It's never going to be easy to be told. Like I, I presume he was told before we were all told, but like it will have only been a, a late sort of decision because Michael Keane was out there warming up. Yeah. So it will have been a late decision, but like you know, it was just a, a massive game for him. That was his first game of Goodison since uh, May of last season, mm. at home to Southampton. So, you know, being the, being the club captain, obviously there was a lot of pressure on him to try and, you know, step up and be that leading man in defence. And, uh, you yeah, know, he rose to the occasion massively, you know, even if he hadn't been the man who got the goal, you know, that would have been still an, an absolutely incredible performance. Yeah, you, I think you, his reading of the game, uh, playing against someone, when you're playing against someone like Lacazette in the first half and then Lacazette and Aubameyang both in the uh, in the second half... You Jagielka has to use his experience more than his physicality because obviously they've got they've got the kind of mm. pace and physicality on him these days. But yeah, he did that absolutely expertly. I can't think of any real occasion in the second half where bamiang especially, was allowed to use his pace on Jagielka. I thought maybe they'd just like give it to Azel and tra- have him try and play balls through, and then maybe Zuma had to come back and cover a few times, and that just just never happened. And I think that's a testament to how well Jagielka just slotted in read the situation of the game absolutely brilliantly and you know he was an absolutely vital cog in that win as Gav was saying before yeah you can't underestimate the mentality uh, that he showed and the circumstances
3: there if you remember the interview he gave uh, after the Cardiff game where he described you know sort of the build up to that match is the most nervous he's been you know sort of in a football match this is a lad who's like played in FA Cup semi-finals and you know so a really big game played for his country and it underlined you know so how much pressure he felt going into what you know to all intents and purposes as a you know, run of the mill Premier League game and a relegation threatened team, so so have that suddenly you know thrust upon you, maybe it, it worked in his favour. Never gave him time to think about it, and he just had to you know so you know, basically go, go out there and swim straight away. But not just to slot into the defence, but to carry the armband as well. You know, he's the club captain, so I suppose you can understand that. But Seamus Coleman also reacted well to suddenly having the armband taken off him yeah. and, uh, and being sent out there again. You know, so there were no sulking, you know, no nonsense. So just you know, again was. Very, very positive about the the mentality, you know, so that he showed on that occasion.
2: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast.
0: Do you think something that's <coughs> kind of gone under the radar, Adam? You know, to pick up on something you said towards the start of the podcast that Marco Silva deserves more credit than maybe he's received for this kind of turn around because there was that was there a 17 day break Mm. in fixtures between was it Manchester City and Mm. and the Cardiff game yeah it Wofford 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 and the Cardiff game and obviously it felt like the pendulum of pressure had kind of swung against silver and and people for the first time in his reign were starting to doubt him but now all of a sudden you're having these stories you know five clean sheets and six silver you know the set piece goals have seemingly stopped uh, clean and set-piece goals are going in and set I mean piece does goals that, that mad
3: statistic that Everton have created more goal scoring chances now than any other team in the Premier League this season from set-pieces yeah. whether you count a throw-in as a set-piece I don't know but I, I'm inclined to do so well, yeah. that, that was the yeah.
0: EFC Stato's latest one yesterday did you see that no. we scored our first goal from a throw-in since 2012 yeah. <laughs> Keechie for seven right. years yeah. so you know you've got Pickford he's kept five clean sheets you know Coleman I think he wrote it a couple of weeks ago starting to get back to his best Zuma Keane you know, Dean continuing his good form. A lot of people in Everton are having, approving a lot of people wrong at the moment, aren't they?
1: Yeah, and I think the performances of the players, like as as we've already mentioned, there, these players have really stepped up over that seventeen day break, and it's you know it it, it is really good to see. But I think
0: we'll just pretend that Newcastle game never yeah, existed. Yeah, yeah, existed yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that yeah. didn't <laughs>
1: exist. But like, I think one thing that is maybe flying under the radar is how well, as you say, Silva has turned things around because, as you say, there was a lot of pressure coming on especially after that Watford defeat you know the the pressure was starting to build and build and you know every every manager i think has a bad run of form whenever whenever they join a new club and fingers crossed that is now just silver's out of the way and we can now focus focus on a uh, focus on building this momentum forward now because we we did get into that stage of like from mid january to like early february where every single set piece looked like it was just it was going in and Silver was saying, you know, it's got into the players' heads now, and I think it it probably had. But throughout that time, I still think our defending from open play was yeah. uh, was much better than I saw last season. And now that we have cut out those set piece goals, the defending from open play is getting a little bit more recognition because it's starting to get it's starting to get them clean sheets in the bag. You know, five clean sheets in six games with four different centre back pairings. You know, that's that speaks to me of a manager who knows how to set up a defence. You know, the, the players have done ex- exceptionally well over that time and I think they do deserve a lot of credit. But, you know, with the amount of changes in that defence, you've got to give the manager credit as well because the system that he's playing now is working. Like, that is that is down to the system rather than the personnel, I think. So, yeah, I massively think Silver deserves a lot of credit for turning it around
0: are you in a similar camp Gav I mean you know, did, did yeah. you ever lose a little bit of faith in Silver Jordan that bad spell and, and just how yeah. good do you think this resurgence has, has been
2: yeah absolutely L- lost faith um, based on the fact that it wasn't just a blip it had been going on for well, months since early December so um, there was the warning signs are there uh, I think we've got to give Silver credit I think there's a few things gone on there I think the 17 day break is allowed Bernard to get back into like, full fitness Gomez to get back into full fitness I think we look far better with the Charleston Wise right than Mockart wise right. Um I think Coleman is less exposed. And mm-hmm. I think that's why one of the reasons why he's flourished. I mean, you don't normally associate Brazilian forwards with track and back. Yeah. To the two things that are which exclusive, but our two, especially Bernard, who again was fantastic in defence on uh, on on Sunday. Um I, I you know that's just a real eye opener for me. Um and I think so they return so I think the turn to fitness of or like of of the two two players uh, from the summer, Richarlison was right, and I think we just we just appear to be better drilled that into the market. with silver by playing football, and I think that seventeen day break has helped. I mean, the other thing I'd say about silver is that maybe it's not really being picked up. Is how many injuries we've had this season? So many. How many? And yeah. we've had a player injured all year, have we? And you've mentioned what? Jags. Not we've had me but think, we've not but had. Yeah. If you think about it, we've not had at any given point. We've had, we've had the cup. We always said going to have one or two. He's but only know, gone and jinxed us now, hasn't he? No, well, yeah. Gavin <laughs> Buchland. <laughs> hey, that, I, the, the last time I said, remember I was saying to Bernard he wasn't talented the other week, so he's, he's picked up <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but no, what I'm saying is that shows as well that maybe we're getting things right on the, the training ground, but still, yeah. you know, but still better that you know you understand the limitations of players you know all that type of thing and um, that's noticeable for me and we just looked at uh, last two games especially a really well drilled unit from from back to front and you know playing modern football which is what I wanted Silver to do and he takes a lot of credit because it's difficult place management when you're under pressure from whatever whatever area you've, you've been in and he's come out of it with a lot of credit but still we need to play like this between now and the end of the season for us to really sort of after that belief going into next year.
0: One one man who's kind of his name has been put back into the shadows a little bit with the emergence of Bernard and, and Richarlison's form, Adam Ola Luchman. What what do you think the future holds for him at <laughs> It's difficult to say. I mean, I was a little surprised, I thought, uh, when I
3: saw him coming on at the weekend, I thought a lot of responsibility uh, on the lad's shoulders, uh, you know, uh, quite a pivotal period of the game. I know there's only a couple of minutes left when he eventually got on, but, you know, the game was so so tight, you know, but he, he did what he had to do well when he came on. And it, it's been said a few times because we ask the question regularly here of Marco Silva: What's Adam Luckman got to do, you know, so to get into the the, the A the squad and be the starting lineup? And uh, his answer is always the same: you know, so show what he can do consistently on the training pitch. And clearly, that isn't happening often enough for him to be, you know, so part of the uh, the, the senior setup. He's going to have to perform very, very well uh, to oust Richarlison and Bernard at the moment. Um, Richarlison's arguably the more vulnerable of the two, you know. So because Bernard, I loved him coming off uh, when he did to allow him to get that ovation at the weekend because he deserved it. Because, all right, he should have scored. Maybe he could have finished that, you know, or two opportunities a little bit better. But his work rate was outstanding, yeah. and the work that he did, you know, tracking back, yeah. and, you know, so sort of pressing okay. space and winning the ball back. As Calf says, not you don't expect that from a Brazilian winger, uh, yeah. and he was. He underlined how good a player he can be in the Premier League. So you know, on that level of performance, there's no nowhere Demelo Luckman's getting in down that flank Richarlison was a bit up and down wasn't he throughout throughout the game you know so things he tried weren't quite coming off but again he was working hard regardless and you know so again you know so doing all of the, the nitty gritty stuff that is necessary
2: Luckman's going to have to do that you know he's going to have to replicate what those two do if he's going to get yeah. in one thing best thing he have got this in this season Bernard's uh, flick you know like sort of in oh. the first half <sighs> yeah, yeah. The, the sort of back heel think, type I think, flick I think yeah. I wrote if if, if
1: had come off like yeah. I think Gomez Gomez, d- wasn't it? Yeah. Gomez made a quite debatable foul. I don't think he's made much contact with the centre back at all there.
2: Yeah. But uh, if that if that skill had to come off, like after Park End would have fainted. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was insane. Have that, that, that's as good as what you'll see skill wise, you know. If you're the supporter, I just thought that was really, really top class. Mm.
0: But at the moment, Adam, you, you can't really for the foreseeable future, uh, you know, definitely you just can't see anyone playing on the left but Bernard and Richarlison. On the, they've nailed down those positions, haven't
1: they? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think all credit to them for doing it. You know, I think uh, again that's something that Marco Silva has changed about a little bit to try and uh, to try and get the best out of both of them because I don't think I don't think we'd have ever particularly thought of Richarlison as a right winger throughout most of the season like he was playing either on the left or through the centre and I think credit to Silva for you know wanting to change it up a bit and uh, I think it's absolutely worked wonders I think the the connection the both, like I think Bernard and Dean's connection down the left flank has been picked up on quite a bit, but Richarlison and Coleman are linking up yeah. so well together as well. notice that a, a few times, like Jordan the second half, especially. You know, you've got Richarlison holding the ball up, waiting for Coleman to make that run, and then you've got that nice little interplay with them down the right. So I think that's maybe slipped under the radar a bit, and. Yeah, I, I, I do kind of agree with Pleno in some ways that maybe Richarlison is the more vulnerable out of the two, like yeah. on on current form at least. But yeah,
0: i not bro- take away Richarlison's just kind of he's just got a moment of magic in him sometimes.
1: I, absolutely, and I think that's the that's the problem that luchman has got at the minute. You know, you've got you've got two players there who are absolutely playing out of their skin at the minute. Like you can't. You can't, like, apart from, like, a few things in the final third, you can't really fault, like, the kind of effort and work rate that they're putting into each performances, you know, the kind of the kind of flair that they give to Everton's attack and play. I'm not saying that Luckman wouldn't do the same, but, you know, you, you really, you're really really loathe to try and change things when, yeah, when, no. when things are going this well. So, yeah, it's, it's a difficult situation for Luckman to be in, really, and... It will be intriguing to kind of see what happens in the summer because you know there there will undoubtedly be quite a bit of interest in him. Like obviously we saw last summer with Leipzig, there was a lot of of interest in him, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Leipzig come in for him again. To be honest, but you know he's still he's still such a promising young talent. Like you know I think we he's still got a future at Everton. It's just that right now. It's, it, it is hard to see him getting many minutes apart from you know coming on as a late sub as he did against Arsenal
2: yeah I, I agree I think Richarlison didn't have the best of games on on Sunday compared to others you no know, you know, that, you know, that would have been difficult to outdo to all the rest of the team but I think the good thing about him he never stopped trying all game did he, mm. he had a few one of the first half he kicked his own foot didn't he you know, yeah. with like, you know he, was, he was free on the right hand side but he never stopped trying In the second half he was a threat uh, regarding Luckman is I'm, I'm consider- if it was Luckman I'd be concerned that he's now been, he's been on loan but come the some he's been there two and a half years and you'd be asking yourself a question that if, if we carry on like we're doing now between now and the end of the season that will probably maybe be our forward line going into the start of next season won't it you know um, if you have be I've been here two and a half years and I'm not, I'm not getting really much first team action mm. and you'd be saying and under, under a couple of different, what, three different managers. Mm. Um, and you'd be saying, well, maybe I need to look elsewhere. Um, but you, you don't know, do you, uh, really? But he's not getting a game at the moment. And I, and I don't believe that you should change a winning team anyway. Mm. And I think uh, Richarlison's a goal threat, isn't he? Yep. Even Sigurdsson are two goal threats. And you don't remove one of them from the uh, from the pitch. Mm. Just to
0: confirm, Dave Prentice did have to leave the room because he's got <laughs> head of sport duties. He didn't want anyone listening to think we were just mm-hmm. blanking Dave. Busy was man, it. isn't he? he yeah, is he's a busy man, Dave Prentice. So Adam, we'll, we'll come to you in, in, and you spoke to Kate Zuma after the game. I got some parking and you asked him about his future. And he, he was very non-committal, yeah, stand about, off, standoffish. <laughs> about, <laughs> I about it, as yeah. non-committal as <laughs> you could possibly be. Yeah, uh, but in your eyes now, you know he, he's not going to be cheap by any means. Mm. Do you think it's important that Everton sign him on a permanent deal next season? Um,
1: I think he's making it harder and harder to ignore him in, in, in the summer because his performances, you know, like especially over these last few weeks that we've been discussing, like. But I think throughout the season, I think uh, uh, Zuma has been one of the more consistent performers. You know, he's as I keep saying on this podcast, he adds something to that back line that no other centre back at the club really can, and he's. Been so effective in not just covering behind when whenever strikers are running in behind, but he's so good at bringing the ball out from the back as well. I think he's our best ball playing centre back. Yeah. You know, he's so, he's got the confidence to just run 30, 40 yards up with the ball, and, you know, that instantly sets Everton on the front foot, you know, especially when you've got someone playing in front. I think he's been better at it over the last few weeks, but when you've got someone in front like Idris, a guy who you, you don't really consider as the best ball player, sometimes that that responsibility does lie with your centre-backs a little bit more often. I think Zuma's stepped up to that mantle quite a lot over this season. And yeah, as you say, the price is going to be a massive factor. And I think there's a there's a lot of things working against Everton over in the summer in that sense. I think Chelsea hold a lot of the cards because... Obviously, they'll like as it stands. Like I think they they're here in Cepha later this month. But as it stands, they've got a transfer ban to try and contend with. Uh, they won't be able to sign anyone if they do let him go. Uh, just before he went on loan to Stoke at the start of last season, he signed a new six-year contract, so he'll still have four years left on that. He's a good, promising young centre back who's in in the France squad now. You know, World Cup winners, so he's got a lot going for him. Chelsea are going to want as much money as they possibly can, so it's all about Marcel Brands, especially trying to negotiate the best price and you know thinking you know is is Zuma worth that for Everton? Is it is it Zuma particularly that we need, or is it a player of Zuma's profile that we need? So you know, I think there's still a few still a few factors that we need to consider from now until the end of the season. But if Gomez keeps putting in these kinds of performances, then you're thinking. Yeah, you do. You do need someone like that because yeah. he, he's he's another one of these new signings who's come in and he's instantly just got what Everton is all about. You know, he's. I don't think there's any performance that you could point to and you could say, oh well, he didn't put in all his effort there. I think every time he's pulled on the blue shirt, he's left it all out on the pitch, which is you know that's what Everton fans want to see at the end of the day. You know, and he's got that off-pitch sort of connection with the supporters that all of these new signings seem to have had as well. And I think stuff like that is invaluable. And considering his age as well, you know, he's going—he he could be. If we—if we were to sign him in the summer, he could be a massive player for the next five, six, seven years for Everton in the future. So, if he keeps—if he keeps performing like that, then you, you're finding it hard to say no. Definitely.
0: If you had to choose one out of Zuma and Gomez, put you on the spot. I said, I
1: said, I do said, <laughs> you know what? I said a few weeks ago, Zuma, because as I say, I think he adds something to that back four that no other player can really add. But when you consider all of the extenuating circumstances around how much he might cost and his, you know, Chelsea's situation, his own situation, et cetera, Gomez could end up cheaper. He adds something to the midfield that no other midfielder really can have. And at the minute, with the way he's performing, I'm I'm starting to think if you could give Zoom, uh, if you gave Gomez a proper pre-season to work with him, I think you'll be seeing the kind of performances that we've seen recently a lot more often. I think he could I think he could put that in for a whole campaign rather than just in spells that we've seen really uh, so far this season. So I'm starting to lean towards Gomez. I have to say.
2: Gavilar? Um, <laughs> that's so original. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> RG is getting called Christmas Carol at school, yeah. so you can, uh, you can have that <laughs> for once. Um, quickly, uh, Zuma, I think, regardless of the Chelsea transfer ban, is, is, is he a better player than the existing Chelsea centre-halves? I think based on the form we've seen over the last three months, probably, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, they'd want red, regardless about whether they've got a transfer band. I think he's, you know, but we've got Louise, Rudiger, Kale, uh, Christensen. Christensen, you know. you have got uh, Ampadu coming up from yeah. from the so, as well. Based on what you've seen in the Premier League this season, off them four or five, mm. I know Christensen's hardly played, has he? I think mm. he, he'd be, be, be their lead centre off, wouldn't he? I would imagine. Him, him and Rudiger, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, regards to the transfer band, I think Chelsea want to keep him anyway. Um, so That's the first thing. The second thing is he would have. I'd, I'd have him instead of Gomez. I think. I think a top-class centre-half is so essential. Having said that, I'm just going to argue against myself. It depends <laughs> on me and his going to Progress as well. I
1: think it's always nice yeah. to have that sort of competition, though, isn't it? Yeah. Like if we had Mina, Keen, and Zuma all as our players, like you think you're thinking for the next few years, like you've got you've got that those centre back positions, you know, sewn up, and yeah. then you've got Mason Holgate as well, who could come back from his loan spell, yeah. and you're hoping that he can continue to progress the way we all want him yeah. to, and you know, there's there's four centre backs at a really good age. Yeah, three, three of them already at an international level. you know That's 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 that's, that's, that's what you really
2: want I mean ultimately I think you can't I don't think it goes back to the calvert position isn't it ultimately we can't we can't say oh, we'll have A, B and C and D because the, you've got two constraints the amount of money we've got to spend in the summer you know and also as well the wage bill haven't you we've mm-hmm. got to get players so ultimately it may be like sort of prioritise just two or three positions and then say well actually they're the ones we need yeah and goes back to if Cavallum develops, they might say, Well actually like, we don't need a striker, we, we'll will not that make a won't make that a priority. And they may look, look elsewhere and you you still suspect that the two areas that they want prioritised would be the centre of defence and mm. uh, another midfielder, which he probably needs regardless of Gomez as well, to be fair. Mm. And it and depends what else is going elsewhere. Garner goes. Yeah. You know, so there's so many different things isn't there going on I think it's a bit difficult to say oh we'll have him we'll have him we'll have him or oh, he'll stay you, there has to be judge about movements elsewhere or, in, in the squad and I think I would like both but one would be nice yeah I think to be fair uh,
0: well just before we finished it wasn't just the Grand National uh, and Everton winning at the weekend we also had some more good news for someone in this very room Gav you've got a, an announcement to make I think have I, yeah,
2: yeah no, I believe no, I'm a, i a father, There's yes, a new book Thank you, in, thank in you the, uh, Sam, way. yes, yes. Uh, Speaking of Tommy Lawton yeah, no, <laughs> uh, my, uh, It's not out to August but it's on Amazon my latest weighty literary tome uh, about Everton strange enough uh, Money Can't Buy Us Love which is um, the story of Everton's rise in the 60s under uh, John Moore when he became chairman and then employed Harry Cattuck as manager um, and our developments in the 60s as the major millionaires because we were sort of like Chelsea of the Abramovich era uh, everybody hated us um, <laughs> right through that to the decline after the 70 title winning season and up to when Harry he got the bullets as manager in 73 so it's part of uh, football history it's part social history because obviously the 60s was such a decade of great change especially in Liverpool uh, obviously, and they tried to weave all that together into uh, 350 400 pages, um, <laughs> which is quite difficult actually because there's so much stuff there, um, and relatively still a sort of undiscovered period for Everton in terms of like what's been written about it. So hopefully, it have filled in a lot of the gaps and added a lot of new stuff that's not not being necessarily published before. So it's it's uh, it's out in August, and uh, you know it would be helpful if. Uh, uh, people buy it and, and I think they'd enjoy it once they once they had a copy. I was in, I was in August, Sam. That's a birthday present from you to me, yeah. I reckon. I've, I've already ordered it. Yeah. I'm going to get Gav to sign it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll sign it as well. Like, yeah. So, yeah, doubtless we'll cover it again in future podcast, but I put her up on Sunday uh, on social media just as an early show And so they knew that there'd be lots of blues on. Uh, social media on Sunday night, yeah. um, and I've had loads of good feedback, and uh, people obviously looking forward to it. Well,
0: we'll, as you said, we'll talk about it close to the time, but make sure yeah. you do pick up a copy of Gav's book when you get a chance. Uh, I'll be getting one, and I'll be getting mine signed on the first. You
2: day. will, Sammy, even for all
0: the stick you gave me on
2: the podcast about me. <laughs> age, it's actually worked in your favour this
0: wouldn't time. Be same, it? It? It wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the
2: would yeah, same.
0: <laughs> well, everyone, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening, and hopefully, we have another good result to look forward to next weekend. But before that, we'll be back. Back with our preview show later on in the week, looking ahead to that trip to Fulham. So please do stay in touch and keep up with Liverpool Echo website for all your latest and best ever news. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.
2: You've been listening to the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo.